Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Alfonso Cuaron's new semi-biographical drama, Roma. Set in the early 1970s, the film recalls Mr. Cuaron's own upbringing in the middle-class neighborhood of Roma in Mexico City, and serves as a love letter to the women who raised him during a time of domestic strife and social hierarchy. In addition to writing and directing, Mr. Cuaron also co-produced, co-edited, and photographed the film. In addition to Roma, Mr. Cuaron's credits include the feature films Children of Men, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Itu Mama Tambien, Great Expectations, A Little Princess, and the pilot for the series Believe. He won both the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Feature Film and the Academy Award for Best Director for his 2013 film Gravity. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Cuaron spoke with director Alejandro Iñárritu about filming Roma. During their conversation, Mr. Cuaron discusses conveying his memories cinematically, communicating with the crew and cast without a script, and finding the cast that matched the looks and the feel of the people from his life. Wow, eh? It's, uh, it's uh, for sure the best and more beautiful and profound uh, movie that has come from our country. It is the most important rescue. It's almost an anthropological, an archaeological, emotional rescue and a gift that Alfonso gave us to us and as Mexicans, but I, I am sure to say that is maybe one of the best ever made films ever in the world for me. Gracias, cabrón. <laughs> and I'm not saying this lightly because I think in the temple of the Tarkovskis and the Bergmans and the Kurosawas and the Rossellinis and the Hermanos Solmi, now this guy here, my friend, which I'm so privileged to have, it's in that altar in the church of cinema. And um, I would like to, to, to start from uh, something that I remember that almost 10 years ago, I think, um, once in, in Los Angeles, Alfonso was traveling from London to LA. We met, he had a dream, and he told me, I'm gonna do, I'm dealing with a lot of memories, personal memories. It has to do with my family and my father and things that I would like to put in a film. And it was a long time ago, and I would like to ask you, um, how was that process 10 years ago to start fabricating all these incredible slices of life and emotion, how that came together uh, the way it is now? Well, it's, a, it's yeah, you remember that it was that was part of the beginning of the, this whole thing. And at the time, I didn't do it. And I, 
I was uh, for a moment certain that was going to be my next film, but truth of the matter is that I didn't have the tools, and I'm talking about the emotional tools. Uh, and it took a while to go back to go back to it. It was always lingering somehow, but it took a while because I mean, there's a point, and the reason why is age. You know, <laughs> it's as simple as that. The Just white the, hair. The white me. hair. And so I, I still had some uh, salt and pepper then. And, uh, uh, and then it was this thing of, you know, trying to understand who you are in, in, the, in, 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 the, in terms of who you were. And, but also, in a broader sense, also existence. You know, trying to... I mean, we, it's, it's just such a mysterious thing, existence, you know, in, in the sense of there's not an easy answer for anything. But at the same time, it was this thing. I mean, it's how existence puts people together, you know, because time and space limit us. You know, they create the boundaries that we cannot transgress, but at the same time, they put people together. And it was this thing of how... How the heck this woman who is kind well, my mother in many ways, uh, and there's this bond of affection when she comes from a complete different microcosm, forget a complete different universe than mine. And it was this process of memory, but I didn't have the tools in the sense of I was not I was afraid to do this film then. But you know what I found fascinating? I think that's the most difficult thing as all of us here that we are, that as directors, I think one of the, the toughest and most difficult decisions to, to take is which point of view to tell a story, right? Or to tell these slices of, mom, of emotional moments. And because I think you, you were clarifying your memory, as you said, and these painful moments and significant moments that had a weight in a precise moment in your life. But I think the most beautiful, and that's why I think this film is an act of love, is because the, the, how it happened that you choose to tell that part of your childhood and, and your personal emotional memory of this moment through, um, through Libo, you know, through that character that you gave her that point of view of seeing a family collapsing as she is collapsing, that these two lonely women... But when you give her the gift to be the witness of your childhood and your family, how that happened, because I think that's what really turns the things completely in the poetic. It's elevated. It's not you telling about you. It's, it's you being observed by the people that love you more and that you love more in that moment. And I think that's a fantastic, beautiful thing. So it's like a two questions that I would like to ask you. How you arrived to that? How you give it that way to her? And cinematically, how you decide how was your process to know where the camera, where, how the camera will be acting in this movement to be always with her but not abandoning you, which I think that's an act of balance that is incredibly masterful here. Very, very powerful. Thank you. Well, I was not interested about doing a, a film about myself in the sense of following my point of view and... Actually, my character is quite secondary. I was really interested about doing a film about Libus, the, na the name of the real person uh, that the character Cleo is based upon. And 
uh, it was clear that it was that because in many ways embodied many of the other things. Coming to, to terms with my existence had to be with coming to terms with my family, my city, my country, and also ultimately the, 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 it's my place in the, in the universe, you know? And this, uh, this complexity of, 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 a, of a person like, like Libo, in which embodies all these joys and horrors and contradictions that is part of what humanity is about. You know, on one hand, uh, she goes through immense pain and never letting go the best part of humanity that that's that empathy and generosity. You know, um, uh, she belongs to a social class. Her background is a social class that is 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 you know she comes from a very 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 poor background uh i would say extreme poverty and on top of that it's clear she's a woman and on top of that uh she has an indigenous background that in uh in Me in mexican society is a tri triple whammy of disadvantage of social disadvantage and i would say that that's not only mexican society i think that the, this perverse relationship between class and, and race primates uh, the whole world, you know, in different tones and, and, and colors, but it's pretty much the same. And yeah, the, uh, but that's part also of, about who we are. You know, it's, it's part of humanity. I, you know, you wish and you want to believe in, in, you hear rhetorics right now of hate and division and 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 the exclusive the, that compassion and empathy is uh, belong to uh, is exclusive for certain groups of people, uh, and you want to believe in a world in which everything is fair, and humanity has never given you know proven that to to, to be even a possibility, you know and and. So life is absolutely meaningless. It, it, you know, it does, there's not a really answer, a, a, an easy answer. And actually, uh, as it doesn't have any meaning, the, the, only, the, only, the only hope is, and the only thing that gives any meaning is, is those bonds of affection. And I felt it all the time, um, um, because I have seen the film three times. This was the third time, but it's the the third time that the, the, the first one that I see it in a not with, with an audience, and it felt very very powerful and very different. And the reason is because suddenly, as you are saying, is something that I love is just for you to understand. In our country, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, the government was controlling cinema, and there were few outdoors or filmmakers that deliver film like that. And in a way, middle class was the bourgeois. And there was never, we never had a film that in a way portrayed the ordinary middle class family, which is so complex in the middle of society that has the indigenous myth, the middle class, and then what you did was not only to portray the intimacy of that microorganism of society that represented the DNA of our Mexico, 
but all the macro politics at that time that was happening in 71 with the students and all the, all the corruption. So the film started growing little by little until it portrayed the whole country through the eyes of, of, of normally a very forgotten character that never exists. It feels almost like a novel for me. It, it, every, every scene is like a chapter and you don't want to go out. You said you keep going and, and, and so many things. And something that it was for me relevant this time is how you deliver the emotional moments in the most beautiful times that they are living. Like the mom bring them to the beach and in that celebration, she said the truth about it. What's really happened with, the dad, with their father, which is absolutely brilliant. And, and, or uh, Cleo said her internal emotions through the creature that she lost in the moment that he has just rescued that. So the, the way you planted those emotional cards in those moments, is that something that is part of what you are saying, that the unbalance of that, is, is there something about that or not? Or yeah, is your no, mind? it's definitely, it's that. It's just, it, it's just you know, like, like it, I mean, for, and, and that is the amazing mystery. And in every film I have done, it's so, I, I, it's very easy for me to express what the film is about. You know, gravity is, you know, an astronaut is just lost in void and needs to go back to Earth. <laughs> Would you make an homage just, to your film that was inspired here? Uh, that, that was funny. No, uh, no, actually, actually, gravity is an homage to that exactly. film, to Mar Maroon, that is an amazing film. You should see Maroon. <laughs> now we know where you stole it. <laughs> you saw the shot, and by the way, I have Gene Hackman in my film, if you notice. <laughs> but um, the, um, no. <laughs> I forgot what I said. You, you speak so beautifully, man. <laughs> no, I want to say that something that to me, for me, was relevant today that I didn't notice is the, the, this little kid, which is an amazing actor. So, I mean, he's the most natural kid I have seen in many years. But always the, the relation with, with Cleo is so beautiful because the, the talks that always they have between them are super profound and, and premonitions of what is happening. And, and, and it's, it's so beautiful when he said, uh, before I grew, uh, when I was older, when you know, he knew what he was before he, he born. <laughs> and then she said, I'm dead. And then she said, well, it's feeling good to be dead. And things, or when the, you know, there's a lot of premonitions that I think the kid always, or in the beach, he said, you know, I was about to be drawn. So I catch that suddenly he's informing something to her in a way. Is that something that I, or is, is obviously that, right? Yeah, probably. The truth of the matter is, again, because I, I, I cannot pinpoint what the film is about because I know I was curious about following Cleo, but as a, as a point of departure for her to trigger my own memories. The process of doing this film was, I mean, 80 or 90% of the scenes come out of my memory. So uh, it was first a uh, very in introspective process of, of just, instead of doing the research, you know how sometimes I do, yeah, it, it, yeah I, I, a lot of research and sometimes for bath, because doing too much research sometimes can be very dangerous. Uh, and uh, in this one was the research was just memory, 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 memory. And when I felt that I had that I was ready, I just wrote the script without looking back. I start page one, I finish it, I never read it again as a whole. 
uh, I never share it with anyone. This is the first time that I didn't share it with Guillermo and me. So please never do it again. <laughs> Keep doing these kind of films. <laughs> no, the, the truth of the matter is that I didn't want, I know that I knew that Guillermo and you were going to give me amazing notes about how to, to make it better. You know, in, 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 just in terms of narratives and, and, and details and stuff. But I was afraid of derailing something that I felt that I have just to honor. And a lot of those scenes that you're talking about, they just happen like that. You know, I understand that, by the way, I was just trusting that, or being arrogant or responsible, that I have built in my career uh, a narrative muscle that will take care of the rest. You know, because part of the thing, and then every time that, how was the approach, the cinematic approach, was trying to connect to that memory and to, to try to convey cinematically those memories. Uh, I didn't want to be subjective. I didn't want to be nostalgic. Uh, and from the early, early, early on, when Chivo was still involved, uh, it was this whole thing of, okay, there's, not going, there's going to be parallel dollies, but not dollies in and out, because that's a very subjective move. You know, you, we have to stay aloof and, and distant. Um, and as if a, a ghost from the present is visiting the past and is just observing, you know, what, what, is, what is going on and, and hoping that somehow something was going to come out of this. But also I wanted to dust off my process. We have many conversations many times about uh, you know, like uh, I, I shelter myself. I put safety nets sometimes. You know, some are narrative, genre, or or certain kind of dynamics. You know, and I he here I wanted to do a process without safety nets, a process that I really didn't know how to do. And part of the process was that, and then it was about not sharing the screenplay with anyone, not only with you and Guillermo, with, but with anyone. The actors never had the screenplay, the, the crew never had the screenplay. So uh, what was happening is that that forced more conversations uh, and more conversations about memory and the past, you know, with a, while we were prepping. And it was about, rather than reading a description, having to talk about what it was like, you know? And, and, and then the, the funny thing with, when you talk like that, the other person starts, the memory of the person starts to, to get activated and, 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 and it's just kind of everything starts building up. It's just so brave from you because in a way, um, you know, it's, um, how can I say it? For me, for example, the way you, uh, 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 you have been always very obsessed, and we start talking about this, about the anti-narrative film, like how the film can be liberated from narrative in the sense that is the plot and all those structures that are now very, you know, they have to have it, first act, second act, third act, the twist, the page, on 90, and all that sh that is kind of the book to make cookie-cutter things, and how to liberate everybody from that in order to arrive to film with that, but it's not easy. And I think what I was uh, thinking is, 
you did not you were not worried about that and i think you liberate yourself from that you didn't have any net of the structure and, and that's why you didn't consult anybody to say if it's right or not there's no right or wrong in memory it is what it is but to jump in it and to make a film like this is another thing but there's and at a, the end, end up going with three acts and the whole... It's <laughs> not, what, what I want to say is I cannot find a better emotional narrative in a film in the last 20 years that I have seen. So there's a flowing that is an emotional uh, uh, river that is going from a creek to a river and to the ocean in the 400 blows homage that I think you did there. And I was, so I mean, it's, it's a, it, it, let's put it this way. Start with a drop, right? In that shot there. And it start with this water. And, and then it's, it's a creek. And then it's always the rain in, in Mexico with the, then the ice and then the river and then the ocean. And then you take her to the sky. So I mean, but it's, it's emotionally with a congruence and a narrative and a rhythm that is pure melody. There is no plots and rhythms and no, it's melody, melody, like a symphony. So in a way, you did not liberate from narrative. You just discover your internal no, I think narrative. Narrative is fantastic. Beauty. I just think that, that the, 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 this, uh, there's an artificiality narrative that is, we have talked about yes, that a lot, yes, about yes. how uh, sometimes films are hostages of that artificiality. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and how to liberate. And narrative is fantastic. It's one of the most, gr the greatest tools of cinema. You know, the problem is when cinema becomes just a media to illustrate a narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, or, or uh, it's, it's a media in which narrative is certain kind of, there's a sense of artificiality that is a safety net. It's the, one of the safety nets yeah. I, was I, I was telling you before, you know, and... And yeah, it was about trying to, and, but you know, we talked what I was doing and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. But, but that's, that, that's the beautiful thing about it. And what I love, for example, in the, how I love that car, that galaxy car is so oppressive. It's like a monster. So it's the father arriving and smoking and the whole thing. It's, it's a monster. And then the, 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 the dog shit there is, is starting to get all the house start full the, the, the shit spread all around and the car going in and then she take the car and destroy that all that section and then the kid premonition with her all that the, the first development of that through the car um that i mean you just jump into that to to shoot one of the most beautiful scenes of four or five minutes of a guy going into a garage <laughs> and it's terrifying how you do that Welcome to my life. That was my life. <laughs> the, uh, um, you were in the galaxies, and that's why you did then. <laughs> the funny thing is that when Guillermo said that, says, oh, my God, that was like my house. Yeah. <laughs> I have a house. We were, by the way, neighbors. He was in La Roma, and La I was in Anabarte. So I was in Luxembourg, so we were kind of neighbors. We yeah. never crossed at that time. But you were the guy of the galaxy, right? No, Full I was the, the guy. No, but the, this is the thing. I mean, it's very clear because that galaxy, we had that galaxy, but it's very clear that it's... A, a car too big for the garage, with all the social implication of that. Exactly. You know, there's a certain pretentiousness. Same time is this that that is charged not by eight cylinders, but the eight testosterones that are like going on there. You know, and and that it has even the crown of the patriarch. You know, and it's the present. You don't see the father until the end of that. But and also, meanwhile, it's kind of like a penetration. Yes. It's, it's going through this, you know, 
uh, uh, invading the whole corridor like that, you know? <laughs> uh, and, but, and, and the same, and he's so careful about the car, but then he's completely aloof with the family. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think the portrayal of men in this film is so real and so tough because, because he's just men that are not committed, men that abandon, men that lie, that are brutal. And that's, that's something culturally very, very, very powerful and very strong. The social class of her, I would like to talk about the, the, the discovery that you made with Cleo, because I think she deserves an applause. It's amazing. The, yeah, Cleo is amazing. Every frame, I think, she sustained every, so you can put the camera in silence, and just when she's hearing the doctor or, Yes, she's just a gravitas that is, and she has never performed. How do you get there, her? Because I, I, I think it's, it's, it's the film. I think it's, it's, she's the heart of the whole she's thing. She's without, without her, this wouldn't work. And exactly. I was just so lucky when I met her because uh, it, I have been casting for months and months and months and different states in Mexico, having armies of, 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 of casting crews going through all villages, small villages. And... When I saw for the first time, her for the first time, the thing is, part of the process is that we were, the rules that we were going to shoot in the places where the actions took place more than 40 years ago, as much as possible. Some were completely destroyed or non-existent. And we were going to cast people that they look alike as much as possible to the real people, but also that they feel alike. And that was a challenge because you will f meet people that they would kind of look like, but they wouldn't feel like. And when I saw her for the first time in a video, I said, wow, this is, this is really, I mean, this is, this is Cleo. And when we met, when I met her, it was just, I just, one hand I was relieved. I said, okay, I have Cleo. And that was like a few weeks before I started shooting. And then terrified that she would say no. And actually she was not really interested. Uh, the, uh, she had just finished studying um, uh, for, as an educator for, for, village, for, you know, for the villages around. And uh, she didn't know who I was. Uh, and so she was not impressed on the, at the least. And, <laughs> and I think what helped a lot is that I said, okay, you know, there's a character who's just your co-worker and your best friend. Who's your best friend? And says, oh, it's, it's, it's Nancy. Can we meet Nancy? And then Nancy came, and it was fantastic when I met Nancy. And says, well, uh, I would love you to do it. And she gave me the most honest answer. Look, I just finished studying, and you know, the applications for the jobs are not going to come because it's a government, it's a government kind of situation, this whole thing. The, the application is not going to come for the next, for our generation, for the next eight months. I, I have nothing better to do. <laughs> Just call my agent. <laughs> it's, it's both of them because they exude uh, bondad, like, like beauty or kindness, right? There's a kindness, there's a truthness in her relation with the kids, with herself. And yeah, but that was her. And... It was her, but also understanding the character. She met with Libu, and, and she talks about how she was a bit hesitant and a bit scared, but when she met her, she said if she has put so much heart 
to this family, I'm going to put the same heart for this wow. film. Wow, that's so beautiful. And how impressively every frame, every design is hypnotic, and the sound of the whole thing, we, we, we can talk about so many things, but I would like to ask you how it was for you to jump and, and to be the DP in your own film, and how was how you missed Chivo, but because what you did, I think she was fired forever now, I think. <laughs> What's oh, going on? I mean, I this is this day. film. This film really. I know that you miss him a lot, but I think the job the job that you did is just unbelievable. How was that experience for you? And let us know how you decide to go in sixty five in digital black and white, and how you manage that. You know, how was the experience as a photographer in this case? As you know, Chivo. The thing is that Chivo start prepping the film, and I actually planned this film for Chivo. I budgeted for Chivo, thinking in Chivo, well, with you as well, there's all, always the same concern and complaint. That is, well, he has many complaints, but. <laughs> <laughs> he don't like tacos anymore. Yeah. He's sushi yeah. guy now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> many complaints, but there's. Expensive sushi, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> His, the, the biggest thing and is since we started making film together, like when we were teenagers, uh, it was time, time to, 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 to do things, time to prep the film, time to shoot the film, time to, uh, uh, to do the DI at the end of the process. You know, he's always asking yeah. for more time and stuff. So I designed that for Chivo. The byproduct of that is that we start prepping and I start, I start realizing, no, we need more prep time. We start looking for locations and so on and said, we need more shooting time. And we kept extending everything until he said, I cannot do this film anymore. I have other commitments. And that was, you remember, it was maybe two and a half weeks before I started shooting. Yes, yes, yes. And you were looking for the first people. And it was my fault because he started warning me like before. And, and I didn't want to believe. I didn't want to let Chibo go. And I said, no, no, let's try. Maybe if talk to the other productions, see if they go back behind and stuff. And and I, I corner myself. Chivo says that is because I knew and that I was that I knew from the get go. I have a good news. Uh, the next month, you know, for all of you guys, you can hire Alfonso as a DP. He's going to hire me. He's cheaper than Chivo. You're I know. <laughs> Definitely. No. I can hire you as a DP next time? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> no, but for me, I have to say, for me, it was really, I have a background of, uh, as I started doing uh, as a DP in film school, and then I did, when I was in TV, I did a lot of, of DP in, and even on my own shows. Um, never done a, a whole feature film. And after the first week that I, the, the first three days that I, I was uncomfortable with my role, I didn't know, I was used to delegate, you know, I don't talk to the gaffer, I respect that Chibo thing. Now I have to talk to the gaffer because, you know. <laughs> and, and then after that, I had a blast. I really had a blast. For me, it was easy. The problem of the crew had two Alfonsos. That's not good. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. No, both <laughs> were Mr. Hyde. <laughs> I, I, I have to say that it, it, it couldn't happen. I think it happened for a reason, right? Because I think uh, that's the only way. I think Chivo will have maybe alter your dreams as maybe Guillermo and I for, you know, whatever. I think it, it meant to be you uh, digging and taking and sharing with us a piece of your heart and your that's soul. 
and he's just I know you for so many years and that the gift to give us such something so personal, so unique, so fragile, so brave to share something like that. And in, in that category of poetry, it's like a, the prose is just everything is poetic. Um, I, I think that it's it, ha, it has to be, an, I mean, for you, um, it has to be an emotional journey. How emotional it was for you to shoot this film in the set? Did you detach yourself emotionally? Did, could you do that? This is the thing is that I, as, it's like making movies. You know, you start and you have the idea, you start going just into your memories and and slowly I didn't realize how I was becoming more intro, more introspective and in many, we, 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 there was a period, you remember, we were not talking so much. I was like completely disappeared. You disappeared. And, yeah. Yeah. You still and disappear. I, you, are, you are gone. Yeah. And and I visited you in the set. No, you. And did. you were gone. I visited him in the set. Maybe <laughs> so, he so, barely so. say hi, and then I just feel like crazy guy. Yes. No, no. But before that, I and, and then you start. Okay, we need to find actors, locations, and stuff. You're not thinking about what you're doing at that point. You just want to put all the elements together. You're not really connecting emotionally. You just want to find the things. The elements. The elements. It's just. As you all know, is is a pain, you know. It's it's and the more detail and also doing a period film in a city that is completely transformed, it was such a challenge finding the actors, and then finally we start shooting, and I find myself as a DP. So I the first the the beginning of it, I was trying to cope with my two hats until I I start flowing at the end of the first week, but I was still like. You know, oh no, no, you know, I now remember that tile was not like that. Let's change the tile, you know? And maybe the first two weeks were still like fine-tuning the house while we were shooting and 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 the and the and the wardrobe and stuff. And there was maybe a, around week three that everything started to flow. So you uh you you're not that concerned about the, the logistics. And it was then that suddenly one day I realized. What am I doing here? You know, I'm the house I grew up with, the furniture that I grew up, the paintings, uh, with actors that they just look like my family 40 years ago, dress exactly the same, and also re and recreating these scenes that a lot of them were kind of not pleasant for me. You know, and and yeah, I became kind of a well, you were there. <laughs> it was. No, but I can imagine that there's a, there's a cost emotional. It hits you in a way. Did, did your brother and sister still talk to you now? <laughs> no, ha, ha, did you involve your, your family? Well, yes. I, I have to. Well, first of all, I, I, if I was going to do something about Libo, I said, hey, are you okay with this? And we have. And she, it was amazing just having endless conversations, digging into. I learned in this process of Libo more than I have ever learned in my life, my, my other, I don't know, 50 something years of life. You know, I, but is that happens, I guess, if anybody does a film about your parents, uh, and I'm thinking now about uh, Cold War of Pavel Pavlikovsky, in which he's about his parents, because when you're doing something, you're, 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 you're forced to detach yourself from just being father and son or mother and son. And you have to see them as individuals, as, as a man or as a woman with uh, 
longings, desires, a sexual life, uh, flaws, you know, and and that happened with uh, with Libo. But also, more importantly, I for the first time I ha I guess I recognized her as as a woman, and as a woman from this uh, this very rough background in terms of 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 economics, and as an indigenous woman, you know, and. And I have never stopped to, 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 for a second to think how tough that must be, you know? Well, I think they are pushing us. I think we can be here for hours. I want to say that for me, this, this is a dream and a memory and part of your heart. I don't think this is a film. I think you just use film as a medium to give us and to land and to impregnate your dream, your memory and your heart with us. So I think I will not want to call this a film. I would like to call him some, we will have to invent some name for this film because it's not just a film. So thank you, Alfonso. Gracias, Alejandro. Thank you. thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more from director Alejandro Iñárritu, check out episode six where Mr. Iñárritu discusses his DGA award-winning film The Revenant with director Darren Aronofsky. You can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll have a lot more for you in the coming weeks as awards season approaches, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying our podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow cinephiles find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.